I'm Nancy Showalter, and you're listening to Spirituality for the Politically Incorrect podcast. Welcome, all radical paradigm shifters and creative change makers. You who dare to create a better life and a better world, tap into the power that resides within you and use that power for constructive change. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I have a very unique and exciting guest here today, Anna Reichenbach. She is a modern mystic, a hoop dance pioneer, and a levity expert. Now, that's quite a combination, Anna, and we hope to hear a little bit about all of that in this uh, presentation today. And so welcome. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to where our conversation goes because you never know. Oh, you never know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, Anna is a star of Hooping Life. This is a documentary about the modern day hula hooping movement. Yeah. You know, this is a big movement. I mean, she toured the world for two decades performing and teaching the art of modern hoop dance for thousands of people. And her, her students and fans consider the mother of modern hoop dance. Now, <laughs> it's not a title I, I invented. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, why not? You know, and, I'm willing to embrace it. Sure. And I, Anna and I attended an event in la- last fall in September, and I got to see Anna do her magic with the hula hoop. So as we know, the title today is Everything I Need to Know in Life That I Learned from My Hula Hoop. This is pretty cool. We're really looking forward, Anna, to to hearing all about this because you talk about the healing power of the hula hoop and and the community that's been built around us. So tell us a little bit about this interesting aspect of your life. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, there, there is an inherent healing power to the hula hoop, which might be unexpected, but I actually have a view that we can utilize pretty much anything that we are intrigued by or that we're naturally drawn to in our life, whether it be an art or a pastime, a hobby, um, even, you know, some form of entertainment, we can utilize all of those things as feedback for where it is that we are needing to grow or ways to see ourselves better. So when the hoop first entered my life, I was not aware of any of that, obviously. Uh, I was on this, this kind of a party pattern is what I call it. I was in this mode of just seeking for a way to feel better in life. I had come from a background of a difficult childhood and I was stuck in this pattern of just kind of living by default. Yeah. I was partying too much. I was um, having destructive tendencies and I was kind of resigning myself at a young age at the age of 20 to this kind of bitterness. (laughs) This is like (laughs) bitter, resigned 20 year old. (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. So I had, I'd forgotten that uh, what it felt like to be honestly joyful. I had forgotten what it felt like to really be me in a sense. And I was at this music festival. There was a hula hoop on the side. There was a band called the String Cheese Incident that used to throw hoops out to their audience. 
And uh, it was, you know, a sunny day, beautiful day. I was kind of aimlessly walking around and I saw this woman in this like, you know, long hippie skirt on the side of the dance floor hula hooping. And she wasn't doing anything fancy. She just had this big hoop on her waist, just kind of swaying to the music. And she just looked like she was in bliss. There was something about the way her body was moving, something about her state of being really that drew me to her. And there's some place deep inside of me that was like, I need that. Whatever is happening in her being, I need that. And I was not the type of person that tried new things easily, especially with a lot of people watching. But because of the power (laughs) of what she was emanating, what she had emanating off of her, I kind of ran over there and and picked up a a free hoop on the side and started playing with it. And of course, it dropped a bunch of times, but it didn't take long, and then something clicked. And as soon as I felt the sensation of this hoop around my body, all of that kind of repressed and denied joy that I came into this earth with came rushing back into my body. And it's like the kid in me just came right back. And I was hooked. Like I was so hooked that I didn't stop for literally five hours, like five hours. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't even my hoop, you know, people were like, like, Hey, can I use the hoop now? And I was just like, no, (laughs) like I'm still (laughs) using it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, And it was all I could think about after that. So Needless to say, it it sparked a whole movement, I think, because of what I know now, looking back, it was that it gave me an access point to who I really am, which is this being of joy and vibrancy and celebration. And then all this other stuff got layered on top, you know, and I think a lot of us are like that, like Mm -hmm. we come in with this native essence of who we really are, and then life happens. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's not like that we have to create our highest self or we have to create the person we want to be. It's that we have to, you know, kind of sift through the layers of all the shit that is not us. Top. That's really the healing journey is it's less about um, t- making something new or mending something as it is about kind of being willing to sift through the layers to be able to see clearly who we have always been. You know, that reminds me, Anna, of uh, something that Michelangelo said that I totally subscribe to. He said, within this block of marble is an angel, and all my job is simply to chip away that which is not the angel. That's right. It's already, the form is already there. It's already there. We already, we were already made in the image and likeness of the divine, you know, it's all Mm -hmm. there. And uh, we just have to, to chip away that, which is not it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it's really, now I'm not going to, I'm going to date myself, I suppose. (laughs) I, when I, when I was a, well, teenager, well, you know, young child, teenager, Mm-hmm. Hula hoop just came out, yeah. <laughs> and so I was really good at the hula hoop. I mean, I I, I loved it. I haven't done it for years and years, but um, <laughs> after seeing you, I thought, hey, maybe I should go get a hula hoop, yeah. and you know, re do that. But I I really enjoyed it, and it is fun. 
I mean, it yeah. does, it just does bring out, you know, that fun aspect and that child aspect. So that, that is really cool. In yeah. your story, be, your story is awesome. So serious. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously. Oh, yeah, constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The message that I really want to give, though, is that, you know, of course, I would love for everyone to hula hoop. And that was my mission for, you know, like you mentioned earlier, two decades. Uh, but I, I don't think that you have to be a hooper in order to find something that can help show you to yourself. You know, it's really oh, about course. following, following your, not just your joy, but following your fascination. Like what are you inherently fascinated by? Mm -hmm. And there's something about that. That's like, it's a divine wink, you know, like, Hey, like look over here, you know? So if you, can become aware enough of yourself at where you can notice where your attention is going, where your fascination is going, what you're drawn to, and then allow yourself to engage with that thing. Like if you are fascinated by people who paint, you know, try it yourself, right? right. If you're fascinated by people who dance, you know, get on the dance floor. So instead exactly. of just kind of taking things in as entertainment necessarily, like allow the fascination to draw you further into action. And then once you're in the activity, whatever that thing is, like it literally, like you could be fascinated about washing the dishes, you know? Like, <laughs> That's true. You know, literally it doesn't even matter what the activity is, but once you're actually engaged in it, it gives you feedback into how you're engaging with it can show you a lot about what's going on inside of you. And I found this to be true with the hoop is that as I began getting deeper and deeper into the art form, it showed me so much about my, how I was approaching life, you know, like I would find myself if there was a movement that I really wanted to get into, but it was difficult or it was frustrating, I would get so angry and so frustrated. And then I would give up and I would make all sorts of stories about who I was around it. And I realized like, wow, okay, I'm not just doing that here. I'm doing this all over my life. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, this, this might, the hoop is particularly amazing at this, but I really uh, feel that, that it could be literally anything if you choose to engage with whatever that thing is that way. So, you, you know, it's, it's all about slowing down and being really willing to look at what's coming up. Right. And well, in that case, the hoop spoke to you. You saw yeah. this experience with this woman and it wasn't really just the hoop. It was the experience and you wanted to duplicate that, which you did, of course. That's right. Yeah. And so things do speak to us. And, and talking about just having mundane, more mundane things being mm -hmm. um, that tool, I, I felt that way about, you know, cleaning my house. And yeah. I know people say, whoa, whoa, that's crazy. But <laughs> I, I had this incredible feeling of transformation and transmutation mm -hmm. of change. And after I finished cleaning the house, I would actually sit and just enjoy and be in that vibration. Yeah, and so absolutely. I never actually thought of it exactly like what you were saying, but, but that <laughs> has been my experience. And all, all, all to the fact where when we're down here in Ecuador here, and of course mm -hmm. everybody here has a maid, and for the first year of being here, I'm like, I don't want a maid. I clean my own house, you know? And, but then, you know, somebody told me, oh, here's a really good, you know, and then once you start, hey, oh, I wasn't, <laughs> what took me so long? Yeah. 
Well, and there's I, other, other physical things that you engage Well, there's in just that. other things, of yeah. course, you know. Yeah. And, and also, though, once the, the house is clean, even by the main, it's just like, it's so beautiful, and I enjoy mm-hmm. it also. I, the same feelings, you know, of really enjoying that higher vibration of, of that cleanliness. Yeah. And so it, it, I could use a little more of. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, we all have our thing. <laughs> That's right. We're all yeah. a work in progress. Well, yeah. maybe, Anna, you can talk about, I know you've had some challenges in your life. If you yeah. want to talk about those, and, and you even consider yourself a self-love advocate, having gone yes. through some of these things. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. So I like to say that the hoop saved my life, but it didn't go deep enough to heal the places that I really needed to have healing. So the hoop, you know, gave me my joy back. It gave me a reason to live. It gave me purpose. It gave me passion. It gave me all of this energy to survive long enough to be uh, willing and have the courage to turn inward and to really undertake the process of healing. And one of the biggest things that was part of this was learning how to love myself. Now, this is something that creates a lot of eye rolls, right? You hear like self-love and it's just, it's kind of overused. We all, you know, have heard it so much that we think that we're automatically doing it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Oh, I know all about that. I've heard it a million times, right? Right, right. But it, it, a really dear friend of mine, her name is Gemini Ferry. She's an amazing uh, counsel, counselor, coach type, amazing wisdom carrier. Uh, she was the first one that really showed me that self-love is an action. You know, she, we were in a session and she literally, God bless her, she forced me to get up and go into the mirror and tell myself that I love myself. And I did not want to do it. Everything in me was like, hell no. Horrible, embarrassing. I don't want to do it. She, and she's so strong. She was just like, get up, go to the mirror, (laughs) do it right now. Nope. Do it right now. And I was like, ah, you know, And it wasn't like in that moment that I felt some magical shift and all of a sudden I loved myself. It felt terrible. It was embarrassing. It was awkward. Uh, But it showed me that this is something that we actually have to do. It's an action. It's not just some airy-fairy, fluffy, nice thing that, oh yeah, sure, we're supposed to love ourselves. You know, it's something that very difficult at first and takes dedication to a certain degree to actually get the benefits of, you know, so. Sure after she showed me that it's really an action, then uh, I, you know, began to actually do it. And it's been several years since then, or maybe even more, gosh, maybe it's been like five years, but now it's almost more of a default. So in the active participation of loving myself, I mean, literally like in the mirror, telling myself that I love myself over and over again, it becomes, it's so amazing what happens, or at least this is my experience, is that now my internal dialogue more of the time defaults to being supportive, to being life-affirming, to being like my own best friend. Not all the time. I have, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I had, you know, really dark few days where some old wounds were surfacing that really needed a voice, which was definitely not loving. (laughs) But because I have this foundation of self-love and I know how to do it, 
it's like a North star, you know? So even in the, these really dark moments, there's a sense, even if I can't feel it or see it, there's a sense of where I'm returning back to, which is this fabric, this foundation of self-love. When I say I'm a self-love advocate, it's, it, it's because there's a certain level of advocacy that self-love needs because it needs to come out of this notion of just an idea and into an active principle, or it doesn't really do anything. Yeah. And like you say, sometimes people just say, oh, yeah, 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 self-love. But when you think about it, um, from a spiritual perspective, love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, how, how are we going to love other people? I mean, we are a person. We are a self. Yeah. How are we going to yeah. love other selves if we can't even love ourselves? And when we don't love or respect ourselves, then mm-hmm. we tend to put that onto other people, too. So well, we don't even know how to, you know, yeah, exactly. again, it's, it's, it just loving somebody else becomes just like a theory, you know, exactly. And exactly. it's not, it's not something that is an active thing that we are versed in knowing how to do, because it really is an action. It yes. is an action. Yes. And looking in the mirror, I mean, that's a very powerful technique and doing yeah. it. Most people have never done it. And yeah, you don't have to start that way. That's kind of like <laughs> like next level because <laughs> it could it could bring up a lot. Um, so it, especially if this is very difficult for you, an easier way to start is to just close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. And but you have to say it out loud. Actually, hear it coming out of your mouth and be willing to traverse what comes first, which is very often it was for me and for a lot of the people I work with. What comes first is the things that are not that. So, yes, yes. You know, a lot of tears come at first. Sometimes they come later too. But at first, very often, it's like, wow, I really don't, haven't loved myself, you know? And right. maybe you didn't even know that until you tried to say the words. It's and just like any, any relationship. You can think, oh, yeah, I, you know, I love you. Uh huh. But when you express it and show it mm-hmm. to the other person, then they know. And so it's the same with yourself. When you show it and you express it in whatever way, you you know, verbally speak to yourself, verbally look in the, you know, look in the mirror, even just start looking in the mirror and see see what you notice, you know, and these kinds of things. So so that's great, Anna. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about some of the obstacles you've faced and some of the tools you use to uh, overcome those? Yes, absolutely. So what I realized actually kind of recently is that one of the reasons that the hoop was so appealing is because I grew up in an environment where I had to be an adult very early. So there was um, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, um, you know, from the age of nine years old or maybe even earlier on to where I was like the stable one. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was the adult in the room in many respects. And, and so I, I um, had a lot of anger around that. I felt like my childhood had been stolen. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the hoop was like, hello, all of the carefree <laughs> right. things that you didn't really um, get to indulge in, you know, here they are right here for you. 
it gave me this, this opportunity to really live that part of myself that was very strong and still is maybe even more so than some other people. I have a deep need for play from a very young age, you know, before the shit hit the fan, I was the kid that was always playing dress up and spinning around and just like very connected to nature and just a little like fairy sprite, you know? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I needed, I needed that back. And there's something about my experience of life that I'm unwilling to live without that. I'm not the type that can just suffer long in silence and just make it okay. You know, it just, I explode (laughs) (laughs) literally, you know, I just, I can't, I can't do it. So there, there, um, there's a gift, you know, that is a gift that, that while it's made it difficult to, um, sometimes it's difficult to integrate or have a sense of integration into quote unquote normal life, like how other people do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's given me, it's given me the gift of really having high standards for the kind of life that I want to live and having high standards for holding a space for how I think that it's possible for other people to live more of who they are. Yeah. So while these things have been difficult to deal with in my life of, of feeling restricted, of feeling out of place, of feeling that I was never going to be a normal human being <laughs> because of the way that I grew up and, and the things that were placed upon me, the, the huge gift on the other side of that is that I get to hold a bigger space for a higher standard of living energetically true to who we actually are. And that reverberates out, you know, so it's not always easy, but I'm grateful. Now I'm grateful to be able to hold that for myself and for other people. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you do bring people through a healing process. Some of the the tools that you use. Yeah, self-love is a huge one. So I offer that process a lot in my workshops. I do a lot of uh, retreats and workshops uh, all over the world. And the self-love is the foundation. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the first place that we go because all of the other processes lean on that one. So things like self-awareness or even things like seeing our patterns or seeing the, you know, patterns that aren't even ours that were laid upon us that are things that we want to shift in order to be more of ourselves. All of those things rely on having a foundation of self-love. So that's really the place that we start from, because if you strengthen that, you can go through anything and you will come out alive. (laughs) It gives you this sense of confidence that whatever comes up in me, however painful, however dark, however, you know, shameful in my own mind, however much I would want to reject this or not have anyone see this or not even see it myself. I know that I know how to love myself. And that means that I can be there for myself. I'm not going to abandon myself. I'm not going to throw myself away, which is things that we do over and over again by default until we realize that's what we're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. So once you have that foundation, then it's like, it's go time. 
And it's not that it's going to be easy. It's, it can still be extraordinarily painful and extraordinarily difficult, but there's this little seed of confidence that will exist in there so that you could just keep, so that you keep going. That's really what it comes down to is that you have to have that confidence of, I know how to love myself through this in order to keep going because the healing path is hard, (laughs) (laughs) not always, but it can be so hard and it can be such that it, it's, it can be um, a lure to want to say, you know what, I've had enough. I can't deal with this anymore. I'm just going to go back to being shut down or I'm going to go back to ignoring. I'm going to go back to pretending this doesn't exist. And then there's that quiet suffering that exists in the background that, you know, we learn, we can learn to, to just exist in it, but it's not fully living. No, no, absolutely not. It's not, it's not being your true self. Like you well, said, it's not living. It's not fully. If you're repressing anything, you cannot fully open up your whole being. Exactly. That's the only way to to live fully is to be have the confidence to open your full being to life. It feels amazing, right? But in order to do to do that, you have to have the confidence that all of the stuff that comes with it is are things that you're you can handle. That's really what I want for myself and for others as well is to develop that confidence that as hard as it can get, you can live through it (laughs) because on the other side of that is your full life. Exactly. And I I say it's slightly different in the sense that there is that part of you that, that can become the observer, you know, without, Mm -hmm. without judgment of things that are coming up and that you, you know, you can have the various tools, spiritual, psychological, whatever, to, yeah. to help you work through things. But, but when you take that step to that part of you, inside of you, that is your higher consciousness. It is the part of you, you know, made in li- image and likeness of the divine. It is the part of you that can observe the, the more human, I say, with quotation mm-hmm. marks, uh, of things that we have experienced and be able to deal with it. And to me, just starting that process, it doesn't have to be horrendous, but yeah. there can be very cycles where it does feel horrendous, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And in reality, it's like it helps us to move into that higher awareness to where we get to the point, which to me is the most important thing, is to know not just know intellectually, but in every cell of your being, that the power in you is greater than any power outside of you, including right. your own painful memories. They're right. just, they're just, they are memories, they are experiences, they are everything's energy, they're energy locked into a form, mm-hmm. and we can release it through love, loving ourselves, mm-hmm. loving loving that energy and, you know, that transmutation. So it's pretty exciting, Anna. And I, yeah. it's, so, it's so cool that, that you, you have this awesome thing with the hula hoop because it's so unique. But like you say, it's really just a pattern. Uh, uh, it's a pattern to find something that we can give ourselves to that can be transformative. Everything is relational, right? Right. So the hoop gave me something to relate with that was able to show me myself before I 
was courageous enough or strong enough to begin to relate with other beings that have their own agendas. Mm -hmm. So the hula hoop is an inanimate object that has no agenda, yet it is relational. So it was a safer place. This is why I think the hula hoop draws a lot of people that have various you know, woundings from their past is that it's a safe space. Literally, it creates a physical space around you in order to relate to something, allow something to touch your body, allow something to move as you move and move differently as you move differently, but that has none of its own desires, right? Yeah, so, and, I, and as you're, as you're yeah. describing that, it's like, I can get this sense, this feel, even from when I did the hula hoop year many years ago, that it actually, the, the touching of the physical body and there's a relationship, actually a relationship between you and the hoop. I mean, yes. it's just that simple. And yeah. this can come, I mean, you can have a relationship with your pet that, oh, tru totally. you know, that yeah. truly brings out a lot of things, but yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting topic. And thank you so much for sharing this. Do you have, I, I know you have a gift for uh, yeah. the listeners. Can you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have an artistic bent as you can imagine and <laughs> i made the cutest little infographic and it was so fun making it and essentially what it is is it's a really sweet fun little reminder of five practices that are like my personal recipe for a better day so my take is um i'm actually pushing back against this notion of like live your best life it's like of course but your best life starts with just having a better day so, exactly. you know, rather than putting ourselves through this perfection model, you know, screw that. If we just put it in a few little practices to shift our days even just a little bit better, it can make a huge difference. It can make the difference of living your best life, right? Exactly. We have to start with just little things. So mm -hmm. there are little things like putting music on instead of the news, you know. Right. music on and dancing through your morning, through your shower, through your breakfast, that just that one alone for me can make the difference between like, just like a normal day, like all the other days, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, a really fun, awesome day. It's just five little practices that uh, are really easy, simple, fast things that can give you a better day. Right. And they can find that on your website, yes. www.deepandlight.com dot com so it's right. deep like deep down and yep. <laughs> light like bright light so it's yep. deep and light all spelled out dot com yep. that's it that's awesome anna so my blog is on there too so if you want to read more about what i'm dishing out you can find all that on there too okay and you have uh you're on facebook twitter mm -hmm. instagram i'll have all of that in the notes for yeah. people so that they'll be able to find all of these things. So Anna, is there any last words of wisdom or point you'd like to leave with your listeners? Hmm. Ah, just to surrender the idea that it's possible to be in a perfect state of anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's a little bit paradoxical because we are already in a perfect state, right? Yes. And yet our mind can invent an idea of perfection that only serves to create more suffering. And that is often what 
our minds go to when we think about even things like self-improvement and healing and, you know, abundance and all of these beautiful concepts, we can, our minds can turn them into just another thing to chase that creates more suffering. Right. But we don't have to do that. We, if we can develop the resilience through things like self-love to weather the storms, the natural storms of our life, then we don't have to have it be perfect. We don't have to have it be the most incredible, abundant everything in order to feel okay. That's when our life really becomes fulfilling and enjoyable. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. This has been such a great pleasure. And I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy this amazing understanding of how the hoop actually, the hoop or whatever, like you say, whatever it is, can actually help to really delve into who we deeply, deeply really are. It's exciting. Follow your fascination. Absolutely. (laughs) So thank you again. And everybody, thank you so much for being with us. I will see you next week. Until then, keep an open mind, a generous heart, and a powerful spirit. Thank you for being with me today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, download, and comment. I'd love to hear from you, and your support is much appreciated. And don't forget, go to nancyshowalter.com to get your free electronic copy of my book, It's Okay to Be Rich, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Increased Wealth and Personal Mastery, endorsed by T. Harv Ecker. And my free mini course, How to Speak Your Success, The Shocking Truth of How Your Words Impact Achieving Your Goals. I'll see you next week.